Welcome back. This is Jim Cimbala, Senior Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. We are going to continue my new series, The Calling, a podcast for Christian leaders. Let's talk about priorities. Let's talk about spiritual priorities for the speaker, the preacher, the Bible teacher. However God uses you, whatever your calling is, let's talk about spiritual priorities in a slightly different way than we have before. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 6. There's a dilemma in the church, as you know, most of you, that there was an argument about how to feed the widows. And some were Greek-speaking widows, and others were more Jewish in their traditional background. And there was a discrepancy how they were being handled. So they brought it to the apostles. The church is kind of brand new. God is doing wonderful things. People are being added daily as the Lord is saving them. So they bring this problem to the apostles. And the apostles give an answer, a response that is really penetrating for us, I think. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the work. It's not right for us to be handing out food and settling those kinds of problems. Is that someone got to do it? Yeah. And make sure you get good people known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. But us, we have to give ourselves to prayer and to the Word, preaching of it, delivering it, meditating on it. So here we have it. Boom. 45 slug bullet right between the eyes. Here's what we have to face. The only way for us to see a return in our own lives and in the body of Christ at large, a return to preaching that is anointed by the Holy Spirit and effective, not entertaining people, not a late night show host, but preaching that makes a difference, a la Peter and James and John and Paul, that kind of preaching, where they were convicted in their heart and said, what must we do to be saved? The only way we're gonna see that is through a dedication afresh to prayer. Hey, listen, I didn't write this. God wrote it, and it is clear that the crux of the matter is this. Without prayer, spending time with God and calling on his name and asking him for the equipment and anointing that we need, you can't preach the way God wants us to preach. Remember, our models of preaching shouldn't be what we saw growing up because maybe that wasn't the kind of preaching God intended. You ever think of that? I mean, I know I saw preachers growing up, but a lot of them put me to sleep. A lot of them were going all over the place. But then there were preachers that, whoa, look at the fruit God gave them. You know, that's why we talk about Wesley and Whitfield and D.L. Moody and a lot of other hosts of people of all races that God has used. Why? What made them stand out? When they preached, their words were heavy. They had weight. They didn't fall to the ground. So today we're faced with this choice. Are we going to be communicators with cleverness and tell jokes and kind of entertain the people and put on like a religious show? Or are we going to have something on fire from God? I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about screaming and ranting and raving. I detest that. And it doesn't profit. But neither does preaching that's light and willy-nilly. And at the end of the day, no one comes closer to God and their lives don't change. You know, all the studies are showing now that from divorce rates to lifestyles and immorality, there's not much difference between folks who go to church and say, I'm a Christian, and then the folks who say, I don't even want to know about God. Get out of here. I don't want to know about that. 
How could that be? It's because it starts with the preaching. There's preaching that isn't bathed in prayer, and thus it doesn't have that fine cutting edge that carves out carnality and works on sin in the congregation. Because you know, we're working for Jesus. We're not trying to be popular. At the end of the day, we have to report to him, as we said in an early episode. And what if the Lord sees my wife and I or you and says, what were you doing down there? Oh, I was preaching like everyone was preaching. That's the, you know, there's new school, old school. Listen, let me say it again. There is no new school. There is no old school. There's just truth about what God wants us to do. Now, does technology change? Do choruses change? And styles of music? Yes, fine, that's great. Let's use all the technology we can. But when you redefine preaching, you are going way out into left field. You and I have no right to redefine what preaching is like. God sent us out to preach, and he gave us models of preaching, like the Apostle Paul, who would talk about the fact that his preaching brought results. I don't need letters of recommendation to you or from you, he says to the church in Corinth. You're my letters of recommendation. God wrote with the Holy Spirit through my ministry on your hearts. I mean, is that not amazing to be able to say that? God, the Holy Spirit, wrote in your hearts while I was preaching his gospel. So I don't need accolades from you or to you. You're my proof. You're my proof. So the congregations that we have, that we oversee, They're the only ones who can speak to the quality of our preaching and how much of it has been really been bathed in prayer. Because like priests, like people. And if I'm shallow, they're going to be shallow, and that's not going to end up well in the end. So what keeps us from prayer? Number one, a lack of felt need. I'm talking to pastors now. Talking to you, teach and speak. I'm preaching to myself right now. First of all, a lack of felt need. Hey, dude, I'm fine the way I am. Everything's good. We're paying the bills. I can play golf two, three times a week. Everything's good. What are you getting excited about? I got to spend more time with God. Everything's fine. Numerically, I'm paying the bills. And now we fall prey to the deception of only what is and not what could be. In other words, what could be at my church? What could be at your church if God anointed us more with the Holy Spirit? Think of the things that could happen. Read church history. Read about revivals. People got sick and tired. Ministers got sick and tired of being sick and tired. It was same old, same old to the point where they said, nada mas, nothing more, no more of this. I got to get a hold of God. And from that pursuit of God, seeking God, there was a new note in their preaching. That changed the congregation. The congregation changed the community. And on it goes. That's what the Great Awakening was about, and the Second Great Awakening, and the Welsh Revival. It was anointed, prayer-anointed preaching that changed the day. So I want to you know, suggest to you, like I try to ask God to help me, don't just look at what is. Look at what could be. Think of what could be if you and I were preaching better sermons because we prayed more and spent more time with God. Think of what the church could mean in your community and mine. Secondly... Many times we don't give ourselves to prayer like they said. Imagine, we're not giving, no, we can't be doing that. Not that it's a bad thing. We have to give ourselves to prayer. We've got to give attention to prayer and the word. Boy, they had a focus. You're talking about being intentional? 
They were intentional. I'm not a CEO. I'm not going to be in countless board meetings. I'm not going to be distributing food to, to widows. That has its place. But please, what I do is what I have to do, and it's so important. I got to do it the right way. As I was saying, the second thing that holds us back is a lack of discipline. Lack of discipline. My goodness, with that cell phone near us and the TV and sports and books we want to read and just hanging out with people and go to a good restaurant and have a meal, it can eat, the day can easily get away from us. And the next thing we know, we haven't spent any time with God. Some survey was taken, I think, 15 years ago. Average pastor spent about seven minutes a day with the Lord. Then we wonder why we end up trying to be clever. See, when we pray and the Spirit is on us, we don't have to be clever and tell jokes. We will hold the people's attention because they'll be saying, whoa, God is speaking through this person, through the Word of God. I wrote something in my Bible back then, 25 years ago, the Bible I had. I wrote it in the flyleaf of the Bible. I read this Scottish preacher said this almost 100 years ago. You can't come across clever and have Jesus wonderful at the same time. Listen again. You can't come across clever and have Jesus wonderful. You want to be clever? You want to dazzle the crowd with your footwork? You want to tell the joke and show off whatever? Fine, you can do that. But Jesus won't be wonderful. If you want Jesus wonderful, you have to focus on him, have spent time with him so that people know, like it says about Peter and John in Acts uh, uh, 3 and 4, when they were brought before the Sanhedrin, they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus, not just as one of his followers, I would like to suggest, but that you and I had been with Jesus and people will know the difference. I want Jesus to be wonderful. Let's preach sermons that are bathed in prayer so that he can be glorified in the midst of all of our ministry. God bless you.